here. Welcome back to the No Further Comments podcast, episode four. This is the <laughs> NFC. What's up? Uh, this can be episode 6.5. We won't tell I'm yeah. your co-host, Alex Meacham. Here to my left is the talented Mr. Glenn Riley. What it do, man? On the ones and twos in the back is Mario. Yeah, yeah. What's up, Mario? You got the mic out, Mario? Nope. Mario. Cool. He said, okay, cool. Just as well. (laughs) Episode four, man. Yeah, we're we're slowly cranking them out. When you think of... Of the way the world used to be four episodes ago, man. (laughs) We've changed the world. (laughs) So episode four, um, when I sometimes see numbers, uh, I think about athletes. Okay. You know, so the number four, when you think of number four, do you think of any athlete? Uh, I guess um Chris Webber. Time uh, out. Yeah, time out. So all you Michigan fans, you gotta you gotta live with that. Mario. The the um the most iconic number four, I guess, is still um the Iron Horse Lou Gehrig. True. Of the Yankees who who um who um coincidentally died of Lou Gehrig's disease. What what are the odds? That, that's an old Gary Shandling joke. Shout out to the, yeah. the, the, the late Gary, Gary Shandling. Yeah. Well, I think about my old teammate, Kenyon Martin. Kmart. Kmart. Bearcat from 96 to 2000. Okay. Number one draft pick in the 2000 draft by the New Jersey Nets. Played 15 years in the NBA. Man. I guess. Yeah. yeah I guess so. So let me let me tell you a quick uh, Bearcat story. I know our, our my Bearcat fans out there will will enjoy this. I've never told this story in any type of pl- public type of uh, arena. I've told it privately. I will not name the other person involved with this story. Okay. I'm at practice. This is when Kenyon Martin was a junior. Okay. So we're at practice, and Kenyon Martin. It was right to the point where Kenyon was starting to turn the corner as that premier player that had potential NBA first-round draft status. Okay. How high? You know, no one knew at that time, but his height, his athleticism, his his will to be great, everything was there. So, you know, they had those old magazines. Now, you you know, you can get on Twitter and Instagram and see where players are ranked and – and um, what all these particular websites, how they feel about players. Back then, we had magazines. Yeah, no doubt. What were some of the magazines? Uh, you know, Streets and Smith was a big one. Um, Sporting News, Athlons. Athlons, that was it. Athlons had ranked Kenyon Martin as a top 10 prospect for the you know NBA draft and, and talked about his potential to be a great college basketball player and potential great NBA player. So... When when Kenyon read that, and trust me, he didn't know play, beforehand. Players, <laughs> players read that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. It it, it kind of took him to another level. I mean, he worked that much harder. He wanted to make sure that what they were saying about him came true. Okay. So the story is one day in practice, Coach Huggins was really was really getting on us about playing hard and and uh, just typical Huggins practice. Yeah. Let me just leave it there, and I'm going to kind of try to be nice with the language here. What happened was Kenyon, we were doing a five-on-five up-and-down uh, scrimmage, and we were working on some offense and defensive things. So Kenyon posted up, 
the guard throw him a post pass. Kenyon turn scores easily. The guy defending him wasn't even trying. Okay. For whatever reason, I, I don't I don't know if he had a bad day or what the case was. Just wasn't trying. It. His girl was tripping. Most of the most of the <laughs> most of the dudes on the team will tell you at that time the girl was the tripping. girl was tripping or girls. Yeah, yeah. So next possession, you got to feed the beast. Kenyon just scored. Back on offense, got to throw it to him again. Throw it to Kenyon in the post, turns and scores easily. So as they're coming back, Kenyon says to the person that's guarding him, who's pretty much letting Kenyon score, Kenyon says, if you don't start playing defense and picking it up, I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> Prior to that, Coach Huggins had been really yelling at us about it, you know, intensity and uh, Kenyon – I mean, I'm cleaning up the language, but Kenyon said something <laughs> like that. Oh, right? are you? <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't say it like that. But So next possession, the ball gets passed around a little bit. It just wasn't an easy post entry to Kenyon, so the ball gets passed around, finally hits Kenyon in the post. He catches it. Instead of doing a post move, he squares up to the basket, shoots a jump shot, uncontested, shot goes in, running down the court, and a guy guarding him who he warned. <laughs> he warned him. If – you don't start playing defense, I'm going to punch you in the face. As they made their way down the court, Kenyon said a couple things to him, and next thing you know, bow! Dude's laid out. <laughs> Kenyon punched him straight in the face, laid him out. Well, he did a warning. He warned him. In fairness. He gave him a warning. <laughs> and then Kenyon proceeds to give him a laundry list of things or reasons why he punched him. <laughs> well, you, you you got need to produce that. He said, we're trying to win an NCAA championship here. That's right. I'm trying to make it to the NBA. That's right. Got to so, feed family. <laughs> got to feed these seeds. So as <laughs> and as all this is going on, I, I, I'm kind of in shock. I had not ever seen anything like that happen in a, in a practice environment like that. Immediately, I look at Bob Huggins. <laughs> Glenn, what do you think Bob Huggins did? Uh, what, broke out the fight? Pulled up a chair. <laughs> don't break up the fight, let him rumble. Wow. And and I don't want to say that Huggins... But you do it to them girls. <laughs> I don't want to say Huggins wanted to see us fight, but he wanted us... But he did not want to see... <laughs> he wanted that toughness. He wanted practice to be tougher than the game. So when we got to the games... It seemed easy in comparison to what we go through in practice. And also... That's like these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes in practice, when you fight amongst yourselves, it creates that mentality of, you know, it, it, it's us against the world yeah, a little no bit. Doubt. You know, like yeah. with your family. You yeah, fight exactly. with your Yeah. You can't no one else in, in, in a vein. No. So that's my Bearcat story uh, for the day. Oh, yeah. And Kenyon was my uh, roommate on the road. Oh, okay. And I used to cut... Kenyon Martin's hair, man. So, so your work is is, is been seen nationally. Whenever, whenever we look at those old Bearcat photos, well documented. What happened to it's literally you lost your hair and then you stopped giving that haircuts. Like, like that that that's the, that's the story. So when I went bald, I gave it up. Yeah, you 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 you. He said, "If I can't have this cut, no one will." It's it's the act of selfishness. You know what's so funny is so so growing up and you know our generation was so big into. I'm glad the kids are now, but. When we grew up, hairstyles were so important. I mean, with the, 
you know, with the boxes, the gumby, the dye, the parts, the cornrows, and just some kids had long hair. I mean, there was just so many different, different yeah, it was, styles. It was a- the 80s was like a dormant generation and then like towards the end it, it started to pick up with the with, with with the haircuts and the kids today are really doing this stuff now but they're doing yeah they're doing what the we most. did yeah yeah they, they, well, they think they're, they're remixing not. it yeah i mean you got the whole um you know that joint where with the frohawk and everything we, we didn't really do that strong but but no yeah. no not with the the odell beckham yeah yeah Who, who's, who's doing the most by the way the hot, you talking about the hot tub? Yeah, yeah. What's up? What is up with that? I don't know, man. That, like, was, like at, that at, was strange. At at some point, he's going to have to speak about this because either he's gay or he he's trolling us to view him like that. And I'm like, I don't understand. Like, what's your end game with this? And if you are, if you're gay and looking at this, aren't you like salty? Like, yo, dude, like, what's like, why aren't you, you know what I'm saying? Why are you playing around with this? Like, imagine somebody was like doing that, like, like, oh, yeah, I might be black. He'd be like, well, who well, are you or not? How did he convince the other dude yeah, to I mean, come up out of the hot tub? It, it, weren't they at the practice facility? I guess so. I don't know. I, I mean, mean it, it, it's, it's funny. You have to convince if, other people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, o- Odell probably got enough girls that it don't, it don't really matter. Like, like whatever, whatever. But this other dude, it's like, man, you, you, you might be hurting your stock. Speaking of hurting his stock, let's talk about probably the hottest topic right now in America, and that's Colin. Kaepernick. Oh, I, like, I thought you were gonna go, Mister, Mister Fuji. But um, <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah. So let me let, let me uh, let me kind of paint the picture here and then get your opinion with with Colin Kaepernick. Uh, he went to uh, Nevada, was a number thirty six pick in the two thousand eleven draft, and kind of came into the right after NFL. Andy Dalton. Was he? Yep. Wow. So the so the Bengals could have. Yeah. It, 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 was it between those two? I think it was. Yeah, no doubt. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. So you know he kind of became the the darling of the NFL, and um, what what was the situation with that again? He. Uh, he wasn't initially the start. He took took over. Yeah, he um, he didn't play hardly at all. Maybe never in um, the first year, and then in year two, um, the starter Alex Smith got injured, and he just started running rough shot through the league and just having these these really big games, both you know passing and running, which was you know kind of unique. Just the the amount of yards he was getting rushing in games and. You know, there was always the adage, you don't lose your job over injury. But, like, Harbaugh kind of said, no, we're going to um, run it out with Kaepernick. And he, you know, caught wrecked during the playoffs. And they came within, you know, a player. So, win the Super Bowl. So, yeah, he was, um, you know, the it dude in the league going into that offseason. Had, you know, the commercials and stuff. Had the joint with um, Russell Wilson. And, yeah, he was big time. And, and now, fast forward to 2016, the NFL – preseason he's decided that he's not going to stand up and participate in the national anthem with the fans and his teammates and the reason that he decided to do this he actually you know some people were questioning why he was doing this but he came out and um and um actually released a statement okay and um you know in a statement just to just to kind of sum it up he was he was saying that why should i why should i stand up and um, honor a flag and participate in an anthem 
um, that, you know, black people have been oppressed and people of color. Uh, and, and that that basically caused a lot of issues. Right? <laughs> to, <laughs> to say the least. What do you let me ask you, Glenn, I, I want to get your take on this. Very yeah. interested to hear what you have to say. What are your thoughts on 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 what he did, how he did it? Well, first of all, I don't always stand during the national anthem either. It's mainly just because I don't like the melody. And, and, and that that's big with me, but uh, no, I'm I'm um you know I don't really have a problem with it, um, you know not the way I probably would have gone about things, but you know what what harm is he doing? He's just sitting down. He's not disturbing anybody else's um you know enjoyment of, of the national anthem. I, I don't think people are at home when the national anthem is played and you, you you stop and put your hand on your heart. You know you, you're doing what you're doing. It becomes you know, um, I get it. I, I understand why people could 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 dislike the the whole thing, but it doesn't seem disruptive anyway. And I mean, you know, he he's he's got you know. We say we love Muhammad Ali. We say we we love all these people who took stands um, in the bygone era. But you know, heaven forbid somebody does the same thing in in, in 2016, and you know, it, it's it's really a hypocritical reaction if if you're going to be one of those people that says. Oh, um, you know, I love these people of the past who took social stances. Well, it doesn't count when the stance becomes popular, you know, 30 years later. It, it counts in real time, like right now with Colin Kaepernick. Now, this is the this is the second time in the last two months where the national anthem has been in the, yeah. In the light. Yeah, well, I mean, just, just a couple weeks ago with the Olympics, you know, the whole um, – you know what? What was Gabby Douglas putting, putting her hand, you know, on, on her on her chest during the national? Which, which, which seemed, I mean, hey, she wasn't sitting down. You, you had a problem with her not doing this, like like the, the evolution. Next thing you know, Colin Kaepernick not even going to be in the building when the national anthem is played. So 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 keep keep pushing that young man. What did, what does Colin Kaepernick need to do from this point moving forward? Now that he's he's made this uh, statement. Mm-hmm. And and it sounds like he's going to continue to do this. Yeah. Can the NFL find him or or no, make him do so. anything? Right. They can't make him. Right. No, I think they. I mean, I guess they could theoretically, but I think he he said something to the effect that, uh, or they, they've they've basically given, um, kind of you know they're not for it, they're not against it. It, it. it is what it is. You can do what you want. It's not you know mandatory. You know whatever that you have to stand during you know a song. So. You know, he'll just continue to do it and and it'll be an issue probably next week, obviously. And then moving forward, you know, it's just kind of like whatever. What does he need to do, in your opinion, moving forward? Uh, I mean, action beyond what he's doing. Well, I mean, he's already sparked enough conversations um, to bring attention to the issue. But I mean... Like some of these things, it, it kind of bothers me because me protesting racism isn't about what I do. It's about how, you know, people stop being <laughs> doing racist stuff. Like if if what what does the next cop who approaches a unarmed black guy do like that's the deal because that's what the 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 protest and the iniquity 
um, that that you know he's protesting. Like yo, like I, I don't know what what Colin Colin Kaepernick can't be on these streets when you know it goes down. You know what I mean? So I I don't think within the next four years he, he's going to be standing if, if if that's the measure. Um, you know that 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 he set in order to you know stand during the song and i mean you know you know 42 percent of country is, is, is you know supports donald trump at this point so it's kind of like you know this is what we're dealing with what do you think about the the people that are the patriotic folks what they're saying about this well i love those people no um i get it but to conflate a symbol it's as if they're 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 less upset about the racial problem than they they're more they're more upset about Colin not standing for a national anthem than they are about actual racism right. and that's what always is the disconnect i think with the black community because you're not um you 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 are so overly concerned with something that is in effect, trivial. No lives are going to be lost because I don't stand during the national anthem. But if you know, you know, n- name which other, you know, wh- whatever case it is that 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 that's made the news that people are upset about, that doesn't bother you at all. You're, you're not going to get to Twitter and and say anything, um, you know, sideways to a cop that shoots an unarmed child or or. or or even a a fake cop in in the case of, of Trayvon Martin um, shooting the child, but you've got a big big problem with Colin Kaepernick, and it's almost like how dare anyone disturb your um, idyllic version of what America is? Because you know America means different things according to how you've been treated, and sure. obviously. Yep. Black and brown people have not had the same experience w- w- within the fifty states as <laughs> as white yeah. people have, and that, that's, I, that's obvious. I think that I think from some people's perspective, um, there are some white folks that feel that the playing field is even, yeah. and they will tell you, "We've got a black president. There yeah. are there are black mayors. There are black police chiefs. Things are even now." Yeah, well, I tell people, um, well, first of all, the average black family has, I think, $6,000 worth of, of of total wealth. And I saw a thing that said, basically, black people have one-sixteenth on average what white people have. And I saw another thing that said it would take black people in general 233 years to achieve the wealth of white America. Wow. And that pretty much... <laughs> pretty much you means you can't do it within a lifetime. And I mean, the, the way I always said was let's play Monopoly and, you know, the game Monopoly and let me and a couple of my friends play the game for a couple hours and then you join in. So after we've been around this board 40 times and bought all the property, I can now let you in. I say, Hey, the rules are fair. You don't have, you know, you go around the table just like I go around the table. Yeah, but all the property's bought up, and and and, mm-hmm. and and you own everything, and and that's pretty much what we we're dealing with. And I mean, you know, I don't know how many people are actually on the conservative side that are going to do the due diligence because, you know, I I read one one place and and the guy made a point. He said basically, 
in this day and age, all progress comes at the expense of white men. And if I was a white dude, I'd try to think like, well, gee, how active could I be in something that um, doesn't work to my benefit, which is actually to my detriment? Because even though I can intellectually acknowledge, oh, yeah, me and my ilk have had the advantage in this country for, you know, since its inception, I'm not too concerned about like saying, okay, well, now I'm really going to work hard to, you know, against my own best interest. <laughs> to, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, like reparations, like no one's going to say, you know, no white person's got to say, well, gee, um, if I was black, I'd probably have a lot less money. So I'm going to break you off with, you know, um, 40% of my cash to, to, to minorities right. because that was messed up. Like, no, you're, you're not going to do this. So you've got to believe in your heart that you actually are right. Because if you view that you're wrong, you know, how do you get along, you know, every night? Well, what, what about, you know, there, there are white people that feel that, okay, maybe my great grandfather was racist. Yeah. Maybe. (laughs) Oh, oh, he was. In 2016, this white person who's, you know, let's say, you know, mid 40s, he says, I'm not racist. I don't feel that there's a racist bone in my body. You know, I I interact with with black folks. I work with black folks. I've hired black folks. I hang with them. I'm not racist. But these attacks on um, white folks that say, you know, white people are racist. They're very offended by that. Yeah. They're they're fighting it. What do you what do you say to those folks? Because because some of those folks that I'm describing, the white folks, are the ones that are criticizing Colin Kaepernick yeah, right now. No doubt. What do you what do you say to those folks? I say you are racist. No, I, <laughs> no, I feel bad for because I I agree. Like in, in this generation of you know, like if you're under fifty. You're not a racist in the sense of what we know a racist to be. Like I, I think in general, most people are, are, are fully accepting that you know no one doubts the humanity of a black person in 2016, unless you're just you know an, an idiot. But the fact that you're not a racist does not mean that you're not a part of the problem. Is 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 I guess what my point would be because to the problem is is systemic. So while you, the individual aren't the problem, you, you stand to benefit from, from what has always been the problem. So you, you aren't actually, if you're not stopping the system, you are in fact perpetuating Mm -hmm. the system. And and like I said, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's an unreasonable request to say, okay, average 45 year old white dude you need to to be out here on the front lines of the fight for racial equality you're just raising your family and doing what you do right right but you're you, you know you see black people and you see with well, g they, they don't seem to have as much as we have they're not you know they're not making enough you know the same amount of money they're not getting educated at the proper rates they're you know black communities often seem impoverished the schools are bad so i mean i don't know what the solution is but but Certainly the solution isn't just to say, don't, don't blame me. It's not my fault because what, you know, if you actually are really interested in the cause of, of racial equality, your answer can't be, well, everything seems fine to me. Right. Well, here's the thing, you know, from my standpoint, when I first heard about Callan Kaepernick doing what he did, 
my reaction isn't immediately that's wrong what he did. Yeah. My reaction is, okay, why did he do that? Let me let me find out what he's feeling. Uh-huh. Let me let me understand. And I feel like he hates the troops. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's another bizarre part to it that that people are saying he's disrespecting the troops. I think we need to talk about that yeah. in a second, but but I think that and I was telling a couple friends that I know have made comments on Facebook and I privately had a conversation with them mm -hmm. and I said, instead of blasting him right away, I think more appropriate, you should say, why does he feel that way? Yeah. And is there, are there things that can be done differently? It's just like this. If there's a kid in a school, okay. And the kids in the school and the kid is, you know, feels that he was done unfairly by a situation and he's, you know, causing a problem about it. Okay. What the principal, vice principal do, sit the kid down. Well, what's your, what's your problem? Yeah. What's your issue? What can we do to help, you know, solve that or, or reach, you know, an agreement yeah, on it's, things? It's, yeah. It, it, it's, it's a, an attempt um, to understand a person as opposed to, you know, reflexively, have a problem with somebody because they said something in America isn't isn't you know what what you you like to to think it is right and, and shout out to Cam Newton who 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 this week became the the second um, m most hated quarterback by by Middle America and and that brings me to another point did Colin Kaepernick pick the right time to do this because he's no longer the starting quarterback as of right now. Yeah. He's not the darling of the NFL right now. He's a guy fighting for his job. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, I think that actually makes the stance even more, um, you know, I, I believe his, 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 it's more principled because he could just as easily lose his job next week because of this. And, and you could say, like, you know, like if LeBron James um, – doesn't stand for the national anthem. You ain't cut LeBron James because no. he's he's too good and he holds too much you know public sway. Kaepernick is doing this point where you can conceivably say he's at a, a low point in his career. And I guess you could take the cynical perspective and say, okay, now if they get rid of me, I'm a martyr, so to speak. But yeah, I I think that it adds to. Um, his credibility that he is, um, you know, not is is, is in a, a perilous position um, in the team right now because he's not, you know, coming off a great year and, and and is battling for a starting position, if not a position on the team. Period, because he's, you know, one of the higher paid players. How does the biracial piece factor into this to you? Yeah, well, that's a weird thing because, um, you know. Colin Kaepernick is, 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 is you know, biracial. And, and a lot of people, I'm always having discussions with people and debates, and I'm always saying, okay, you can look at me and just say, like, okay, I'm black, so I'm always, you know, I'm 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 team black or whatever in my, my, my opinion. And Hasht then the, hashtag team black. <laughs> hashtag team black. <laughs> and then, like, uh, white people are like, you know, most, you know, I hang around some, some liberal white people. So the, the white people that I'm normally – you know, disagreeing on stuff, I guess, or, or, you know, on the conservative end. So you could say, you know, they're taking up their position. And I'm always saying, okay, well. Hashtag team. Yeah, hashtag. 
if, if this hashtag trends, uh, that, that's Alex Meacham, ladies and gentlemen. But yeah, so I'm Donald I'm Trump like, will have that hashtag. <laughs> <in my laughs> <seat like? laughs> Make America great again, man. So uh, I'm always saying like, okay, well, what do people of, of, of mixed race and mi- mixed ethnicities feel? Because you know, theoretically, they don't have a horse in the race, or 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 a, they have a horse in both races, so to speak. Right. So. You know, you look at the the Jesse Williams and the Alicia Keys and even, you know, President Obama. And it's like these are biracial people and they consistently seem to be, you know, in overwhelming numbers coming out on the side of, you know, to to validate what black people are saying. And and Kaepernick is doing the same thing. And I'm kind of like, well, why would someone biracial um be be lying if they if they have quote unquote equal stake in in each argument and and that you know and, and basically no one ever ever gives me a response on that because they know I'm right. Do do you feel like sometimes do you feel like black folks jump to the black person's aid or agree with them right away without totally understanding? And I'm I'm thinking about <laughs> O.J. Simpson. Yeah, when the whole O.J. Simpson thing went down. Oh yeah, they were saying he wasn't guilty. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, well, I think I think that that's what it, it's always ways that. And what would OJ? I think even initially, white people as well thought he was innocent. But then once the evidence came in, because white but, people loved OJ Simpson more more than life itself. Loved OJ. Those documentaries I could watch. They came out with eight more. I'd watch <laughs> eight more. A quick quick story. I went There's to no the, quick OJ story. I, I went to they're gonna do a documentary. On, I went to the um, the Professional Football Hall of Fame when I was a kid, and um, we went to me and mom went to Chicago, and then we shot through um, Indiana. Had a had a uh, probably the most racist experience I had occurred at um, North Bend, Indiana, the home of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish people, where, where this family just kept staring at us at, at Dairy Queen. But but I digress. So we make our way to uh, Canton. I thought that was a story. No, we make our way to Canton, Ohio. Did they have on Team White? Hashtag Team White. <laughs> Sorry. Go so ahead. we get to Canton, Ohio, and uh, and you know, I got pictures of there, and, and they have you know all the bust of the of the Hall of Famers and everything. And I chose to take one picture in front of one bust, and ladies and gentlemen, that was O.J. Simpson seven years before uh, the double murder. Wow. Yeah, I, I got to post that up one day. I had a feline headband on to 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 set the um to set the tone. That's that's more the story. <laughs> yeah, feline feline headband, a feline shirt. And it was authentic feline people. It wasn't the fake feline that was going going around. Because the there was mid-80s. a lot of fake feline. It was a lot around. of fake feline. Don't don't get it twisted. After that Fat Boy's Big and Beautiful album, it was it was a lot of fake feline on these streets. <laughs> so, it, tell me if you agree with this or not. But I I feel. That there is a portion of white America right now that is telling black America, this is what's racist. This is not racist. This is how you respond to racism. Do you see that? Do you do you feel that right now? Yeah, I think that 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 that's often the case. Like when like when the when the uh, you know, anytime there's the police incident or the killings. Oh, wait a minute. That's you got to wait for the evidence to come out. That's not that's yeah. not racism. This is not how you react to this. This is how you're supposed to act. Yeah. Yeah. It's like every step of the way, whatever you do is wrong if it's not completely pacifist. And, and, and it, it, 
completely acquiescing to the way things are. Like you, you can't do anything different other than just say, "Oh yeah, th- this is cool, whatever." That that that's sad, but we're gonna keep it moving. And you know, I, I just I just don't know know what people want someone to do if you say that if you get to define what's racist and you also are the oppressor can't define to the oppressed how, how they should feel about the oppression or whether or not it is in fact oppression. Mm -hmm. And you know, that, and that's what what we're doing. And I've, it's, it's such a weird time because black people, I think have always felt like this, but they didn't have the forum to engage, you know, and, and these conversations are actually helpful. And I know it seems contentious a lot, but at least you get to hear the other side of the story. Like, cause you know, 20 years ago, you know, me as a black person could just be salty or something, but I'd never hear a white person talk about it to me. I would just see, you know, the mass media and have my opinion on that. And, you know, I guess a conservative white dude would talk to his friends and he'd never hear a black perspective. And now we have to interact. Now, obviously, that those interactions tend not to go, you know, they can go go left real quick on social media. Yeah. And 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 I think more I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in tons of conversations that are more or less respectful. But, you know, you go on Twitter and, and you know, and you might be like a 50 a, a year old kid. He's just just cutting up. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? And people have told me that I needed to steer away from making religious, political uh, things regarding race statements on Facebook or Instagram and and Twitter. And, you know, you don't want to engage in that. And I I told somebody, um, somebody called me one day about this. I said, They told the same thing to Colin Kaepernick. Well, I said, you know what? I think we're. We're in the position where we are today because we've avoided that conversation. Yeah, real talk. So let's have that conversation. So there have been several times where I've posted things on my Facebook page. And just a couple of days ago, I posted the, you know, Colin Kaepernick situation. I, I, I think it was a, maybe an ESPN article I had reposted. And there was a complete thread of conversation mm-hmm. about the race topic. And, and in my opinion, there were people on both sides of the issue kind of going back and forth with their statistics, their opinions. And at the end of the day, the thread ended, I thought very peacefully. It was great conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why are we, why are we avoiding that? Yeah. Not- why does everything have to be, be so taboo? And it's like, it, I mean, and, and, and half this stuff is, you know, it's just pop culture now. It's just what people are talking about on, on, on ESPN. Like, I don't know why why people get afraid, like, oh, somebody might get their feelings hurt. But it's like, you know, people got their feelings hurt in the 60s. People got their feelings hurt in the Civil War. But, like, that's how progress takes place. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure some dude got his feelings hurt in, in when, when women got the right to vote. But, you know, so be it. Feelings hurt, progress made. Yeah. So I think Colin Kaepernick, from from this point... Do not get me started on women's rights, sir. From this point moving forward, I think he needs to have an action plan, which he could possibly already have or is putting that together. He he needs to have some sort of action plan, in my opinion, where he can step out into the, you know, you know, the forefront and say, you know, this this is my idea of what we can do to make change. I think he needs to add that piece to it. I wonder... What will happen with his sponsorships? <laughs> no, at this point, I wonder 
if any of them are backtracking, if any of them are saying, you know what, yeah. I, I think if he, I think if he has an action plan behind what he's doing, I think some of them say, okay, let's 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 see what he's going to do. I know the hood will buy them beats by Dre right about today. You you, you <laughs> yeah. break out you break out them black beats by Dre. They, they off the shelf. They they out the door. Speaking of beats by Dre, let's talk a little bit about music. Last night, the MTV Video Music Awards went down. Very, very interesting. So last year, Miley Cyrus hosted the VMAs. Okay. And a lot of people said it didn't go so well, so they wanted to go a different direction. This year, <laughs> the host, they roll out Key and Peel. I'm here to tell you, Glenn. <laughs> you did enjoy the Key and Peel. It was awful, beyond <laughs> awful. And, and, and take that from someone who sides with host when when hosts are criticized, like with, with Miley Cyrus. He's a host enabler, people. I am, because I understand how difficult it is. I've hosted different events, and you have to. And you know um, your boy, um, um, Say by the Bell? Who's it? Oh, Mario Lopez? Yeah, you know Mario Lopez? He's kicked with Mario Lopez. Uh, yeah, I've hung out with Mario, and, and he's he's a king of hosting a lot of things. And I'm and it's tough because what happens is when you're when you're hosting it, you have to improvise. Somebody's in your ear saying, "Keep talking, keep talking," or "Make something up." And it's not always easy. It doesn't. Some people make it look very smooth. I think guys like uh, Chris Rock, uh, Jamie Fox. There have been a lot of people I've seen hosting. Seacrest. Yeah, well, Ryan Seacrest. Absolutely, they're very smooth and do a great job. But I'm telling you, last night, man, <laughs> it, it, it was beyond awful, and it was like. These two guys are right, they're they're black dudes, but they're the the presentation was they were acting they were trying to like act like like black rappers. It, it just didn't make any sense to me. Like they it started off, it was very offensive. I mean Twitter was killing them. And they started <laughs> off like, yo, 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 what's up? What's oh, up? Wow. Like, come on, like this. Who's telling you number one, who's telling you to do that? Number two, who thinks you're funny? I yeah. want to know who thinks these guys are consistently funny. Okay, maybe they have a skit. Yeah, a sketch every now and then. But consistently. So, so you're not. Um, you didn't give a, 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 a rousing review for um, Keanu, um, the, the movie <laughs> now, now currently mm. available on, on DVD. Nothing. I've I've never found anything they've done to be funny. I think we, you and I were talking about this. There yeah. have been sketches they've had that conceptually yeah yeah are are, are are yeah but the execution of them just it's just like yeah it, it's weird because i mean i guess they're both biracial too which is weird but it's, it's almost like they don't knock the ball out and i mean they're, they're hugely popular i mean you know what i'm saying they're, they're and i don't get and, that and, and but i mean but i saw a not comedian. after last night <laughs> <laughs> there was a comedian on the breakfast club the other day and he was just talking about like he just don't uh he don't rock with key and peel and i mean i don't know like i said i, I just don't find them funny i mean i don't know why why they would um even think that they would be you know work as host i mean but I don't get another guy they had on there, Jay Farrow. And Jay Farrow is supposed to be one of those comedians that makes his claim to fame off of doing impressions. And he continues <laughs> to do this Jay-Z impression that didn't work two years ago. Yeah. And, okay, 
there are times where he sounds like Jay Z. He sounds like it, but yeah, absolutely. But, but he doesn't look like him. It's just so part of doing. You just can't put a Yankees hat, but yeah, now yeah. Jay Z. It's just so bad. <laughs> I'm jigging, man. Can't you see? I got a Yankees hat on. In the, in the skit last night, they're, they're, I'm thinking to myself, okay, Kim Peel are, are falling apart. And MTV has to be going, okay, we we have to abandon this ship at some point. We need to let DJ Khaled take over at some point, which I would have been perfectly fine with. But Jay Farrell then has a, a I guess you want to call it a little skit. <laughs> it didn't rise to the level of skit in your mind. <laughs> they had him. There was a line to the bathroom, and he was like maybe the sixth guy in line and he had to go to the bathroom really bad. Okay. So the whole skit was he was talking in Jay Z's voice to the other people in line oh, on how on how bad he had to go to the bathroom <laughs> and how they needed to let him go to the bathroom. and it was just like this is stupid. Then they that's that's bombing and then they cut from that back to Key and Peel who are bombing even worse. I mean it was just like And the thing about these comedians, when when someone bombs, yeah, it's bad because the joke isn't funny or whatever, but there comes a point where it's uncomfortable for you, the viewer, to watch it. And I just hate that. Like, look, if if you just got, you know, Ed McMahon to host the show, the the, the late Ed McMahon, if, if, which would be a story in and of itself. But if you just get someone who, who's not trying to tell jokes and is just doing the the yeoman's job of standard hosting, it's like cool. But when you get somebody who you're, you're like you're rooting to. for, and you're like, yeah. oh, they're hoping you can do this. Like, I don't want to watch a, a war show and have anxiety about the performance of the host. I mean, right. it's ridiculous. Like, like you know, you, you're putting the added stress on me when I'm supposed to. You come to this, this this joint for entertainment. That's not entertainment, MTV. It's pressure. Speaking of hosts, I mean, I just thought about this. LL Cool J D- does a solid job of hosting. It's like, and, and he's he, he's coming up that that hosting ladder, right? Man, he continues to get jobs and <laughs> employment, and and he wears that he wears that hat that uh that that um what do you call that hat? I mean, it's a Kango, but it's not the yeah, traditional it's, it's, bucket. It's the Calvin Pete um, black tennis player Kango. Rest in peace to the late Calvin Pete. I'm like, man, you got to quit. I mean, how bad is his – why does he wear the hats? I mean, is his head that shaped that poorly? Do you remember the first time you saw LL Cool J's head? Do you do you remember where you were no. that day? <laughs> it was I like, do. Like the kid he says, I think we are. I think it was, it was in a book. I think he revealed his, his head in a book. But he was and doing it, it in some videos in the nineties, right? Uh, I think it was uh, late nineties. Okay, he, he, he had worn a uh, Cool J had that mid nineties Renaissance where he was like in the car with Big for the Who Do You Love? <laughs> that drink? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the, uh, doing it well. Yeah, I will. I will always say LL Cool J is one of my top five rappers of all time. We're gonna, we're gonna. Yeah, that's just debatable. No, I. We here's what LL Cool J had on everybody else. He was he was like eight years younger than any other rapper in the eighties when he came out. He was killed. Mario. I just want to chime in. Hold on. Yeah. I gotta say this. You just said that the first place you saw LL Cool J's head was in a book. 
Yes. Out of all places. The, the man is a, a, a actor, a rapper. Let me. And the first time you saw his ball. <laughs> was it literature? The first time you saw it was in a book. Well, let me tell you, it was actually a genius marketing plan. So LL Cool J had, you know, come out with four or five brilliant albums, by the way. Walking with the Panthers, brilliant. <laughs> 41 Shots to the Dome, brilliant. So, so you get to, he, he was. He was starting to phase out, I think, a little bit. He was starting to get into oh, sleep, hit, sleep on the, that Pink Cookies remix. Oh, Pink Cookies is the don't don't make don't get me started on Cookies. That's my guy. <laughs> so he was getting to the point where he was turning into Ladies Love Cool J. It wasn't you yeah, know he, he was strictly yeah, it was it was it was basically R and B. He 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 saw what Father MC did and, and he was advancing <laughs> upon it. Old fan body. So LL Cool J. Was, was was fading a little bit, so he decided to write a book. And I don't know that people were excited about his story, <laughs> but when they heard that on like one of the last pages, there was a picture of him without his hat, which was one of the first – no one really had seen him without a hat on. That's the story, Mario. I think it's a nice marketing plan. I didn't buy the book, but I went and looked and you saw, you saw the photo. It was like dark. Remember when Dark Vader? Yeah. <laughs> you want to know something funny though? I didn't know LL, like growing up. I didn't know LL Cool J was a rapper. Oh wow! I just thought he was a host. No, no, I just thought he was an actor. Okay. Because like I saw the show in the house. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that show. Wow. Like that's that's when I became familiar with LL Cool J. Why didn't the house get canceled? In the house was going strong. Is it? Equally, th- th- this is an unpopular opinion. Uh, unpopular opinion alert. <laughs> as good a, a television show as Fresh Prince. Yeah, I said it. Uh, yeah, I said it. Fresh Prince was my show. I mean, they, they, were, they, they, they both were, had Alfonso Barrow in there, but I don't think anybody remembers him from in the house more than they do. Because they, they, they pulled the plug on too soon. I think I think with the Fresh Prince, there were so many things that surrounded that that made that show great. I think the theme song, the lyrics to the theme song, the outfits. You know, Fresh Prince always had on the new Jordans or Nikes. Uh, jazz, you know, Jazzy Jeff getting thrown out the house. There were so many little small things to it that made it. Well, it was the iconic. first. It was the first television depiction from the hip hop age. So. That along with, you know, um, did that predate or post-date a different world? But it was one of those things that you felt Post, like, like oh, man, like they're actually doing this. You know what I mean? Like at that, that time, like people don't realize how um, in the 90s and in the 80s, like, like if anything was, was, was hip-hop related, you were just like, this is crazy that David, that this is even being respected. You know what I mean? Like, like I can't believe that, that, that. They're letting a rapper have a television show. Like, what what's going on here? Right. I think that Quincy Jones originally wrote, or I don't know if he wrote, but he had in mind uh, Will Smith Okay, for that uh, Fresh Prince. Because, I mean, that was the first, that was the first one, right? He was the first rapper. Yeah, I think so. Right? With yeah, the, he was the first one. You know, with the show. Because I believe, I believe Will Smith was bankrupt at that point. Okay. And Quincy Jones wanted to help save him, so he created <laughs> this show. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the that's the story. But and Mar- now and now Will Smith is, is richer than the, than the, the the five richest kings in Europe. God, I, I, I'm a Will Smith fan. Always have, always will be. Mario, I I want to get back to this really quick. Mario, you were saying 
you didn't know LL Cool J was a rapper. No, correct? like when I originally saw him in the house, right? Okay. And you know he played the ex football player. Right. And I really thought he was an ex football player. Like, because he was, you know, he was in shape. That's just how good his acting is. Yeah, LL Cool J is like, no, like he really, like he's really in shape. So, like, I didn't know. Like, when did you hear his music? I was like eight or nine years old. When did you end up hearing his music and realize he was a rapper? Actually, my mom told me he was a rapper. Like, when one day when I was watching the show, I was Ladies like, yeah. Cool I was like, yeah, they, they have it. And she was like, yeah, he was a rapper. Like, I was like, when? Like, and she was, I was like, what song did he make? Like, I never I never heard of him. Was, was, was he your mom's favorite rapper? She no. said, she said, I need love. <laughs> she said, that, that, no. That's what song he made. Have, have you heard? She would conceive to a, to a, to a LL song. I'm going to break you down. <laughs> Mario, have you heard the album? Walking with the Panther. <laughs> I never heard of the album Walking with the Panther. I suggest you get it. My next podcast. Yeah, we got to have, have a review of Walking with the Panther. Yes. We'll oh, have we got- Mario's, Mario's review of Walking with the Panther. No, look, I- I'm going to tell you this, right? I saw LL Cool J. Like, I'm a fan of like his his music from like the early 2000s. Like, I'm going to love you better. Or Hush. Oh yeah, Hush was cut. Even even Headstrong well, was pretty go. good. Okay, uh, but okay, possibly. <laughs> when I heard him rapping on Crush Groove, I was like, "What is he talking about?" Hush is slept on though. Real talk, <laughs> real talk. No, yeah, you 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 got what what we got to do. We got to have an ongoing su- su- uh, segment. But call, I, I will called, say this though: I think that his acting trumps his rapping. Okay, uh, st- stop that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, but <laughs> no, we're gonna have a, a, a new segment called uh, Mario's Assignment. And every every week we're like gonna that. give give uh, Mario some some obscure um, topic to 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 check out that that was something that was more or less commonplace in our time, but but that um, he should know about that that generation should know but, about LL Cool J. We'll put it like this: things that predate the internet aren't up there like like things that postdate the internet. So I think that's. Uh, you know that's the issue too. Like if I told, like like you know Mario don't don't know nothing about a feline headband. Mario, feline headband. Yeah, I mean he knows he, he oh, knows man. he I knows know a brand. Like he can, NBA yeah. headbands. He, oh Jesus. Yeah, Nike. yeah. You know, and the other thing I have with this is, I know a lot of kids who are a fan who are fans of let's say ASAP Rocky. Okay, right. You're you're nodding your head, Mario. Okay, did you know Mario that ASAP Rocky was named after Rakim. I had no idea. Do you know who Rakim is? I know Rakim was like a rapper from the 80s. Yeah. Ra- Rakim was considered the greatest rapper ever. Um, from I know like got 19- an album with Eric B, though. Yeah, well, it was, it was Eric B, <laughs> <laughs> of course. Wow, that's funny. Eric B and Rakim. All right, yeah. all right. Okay, your assignment is going to be to listen to Walking with a Panther, and we want an album review next podcast. Yeah. Is that cool, Mario? Walking with a big yeah. Can I like find an actual like hard copy of this album? No, just just just, right. just, just go to um, iTunes and and get the the minute thirty second we'll, <laughs> second we'll, preview. We'll get you. We'll get we'll you provide you a Mario. copy. We're go, we're gonna a, a copy will be. <laughs> we'll, we'll get you covered. It's like reading the Miranda rights. Uh, if you can't afford a copy, a copy of uh, Walking <laughs> with a Panther will be be provided for you. Oh, um, so let's let's talk a little bit about Kanye West. He premiered at the VMAs his new video for his song Fade, which is on his new album, The Life of Pablo. Now, Fade is one of those songs prior to last night that is one of the most skipped over songs on the whole album, Life of Pablo. But last night, 
he premiered the video for it. And I think that song no longer is going to be one of those that gets passed over. People are starting to like the song now. Yeah. Glenn, you had a chance to see the video or as, as people call it today, the visual. The visual. Yeah. Because cause nowadays everybody is uh, graduated from um, <laughs> from Juilliard. Or right. Something. I, yeah. What do you think? I don't know. What's is Tiana Taylor um dancing um in like the mode of like um flash dance on the movie from like I don't know, nineteen eighty three or something. And it's just that. I mean, you know, she looks good, you know, she she's she's super fit considering she just um uh gave birth to a kid a couple months ago with uh um, world champion Iman Shumpert, formerly of the Knicks, um, known for for the uh, the high top haircut. But yeah, which so. it was? Did you see his hair in the video? Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah, they they get into like a love scene towards the end, and then her her, her mouth turns to um that of a of, of a of a wildcat or something, and then yeah, I didn't. I don't and then understand there was the, the yeah the s- symbolism of that, but yeah, Shumpert had the cameo. Remember cameo. Cameo had the box, but okay. later on it fell forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had that going on. When do we start calling videos visuals? I don't know. It, it, it's a whole thing where there's like everyone graduated from MoMA. <laughs> like, like it, there's like all these new terms for things. Yeah, that's, that's that the so same artsy, thing, right? Yeah, and it, 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 it like it, you have on joggers. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, like you're Damien Hurst all of a sudden. Like, like, like all the, these terms that no one knew about outside like like um yeah it's it's my new installation Kanye West is dropping a new installation for the for for this song and by the way just do a video for every damn song like why do we have to you know when you drop a video for a song that tells us the people that this song you deem to be important so you know we we're like once again shout to Ray Schremert because those cats will drop a video, and, and when they somehow knew he, and, and, and when they do, was gonna come back around. Well, when they do, um, if they drop a video or a visual for uh, for for yoga, this is a write off. The game's over. World championship. Well, I disagreed with you in the past about videos that. There needs to be like you, you've always said Jay-Z needs to do more videos. Like, don't drop an album and have one video. Yeah. And then you totally let it go. And I, I didn't particularly agree with that. I wasn't sure that, you know, people really were checking for videos. But I will agree, after seeing the fade video, I like the song more. Yeah. Well, after seeing the video or the visual. Well, that's what it does because I don't know what everybody's personal perception of an album is, but when you get an album, I usually just say, okay, I like song four, eight, you know, 12 and 13. You know what I mean? Or, or, or in the case of this shrimp life, I like song one, two, you love that three, life. four. <laughs> but, but, no, but what happens is when someone drops a, a video, like, like I don't like big Pimpin the, fir- the first time I heard, and it was just like, okay, you know, I'm not really pumping mm-hmm. this. When the video for Big Pimper came out, that 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 changed the idea. Changed the, when you see see um Pimp C by that white bands with with that fur on. That did it for you. It it changes your perception of a song. How that ball at them. <laughs> Mario. 
right, first I want to You just on. raised your hand, by the way. Yeah, I, I just raised my hand because I didn't want to be rude. But first of all, I want to go on record and say, to me, and this is my opinion, but it's, it's a very popular opinion, <laughs> Big Pimpin' is probably one of the most perfect songs ever from the chorus to the beat to every verse. Secondly, I do want to, I just want I just want your opinion. You wouldn't have thought that they have a video for it though. No, I would have, but the video did make it a little bit better. But, well, I, th- I think you're right. I think it had a, all the elements. And by the way, Pimp C told them specifically he had just bought this Benz and they're going to put that joint in the video and they had that Benz shipped from Port Arthur to Miami when they filmed it. Mm. Rest in, rest in, <laughs> rest up. But, Pimp C. But I, I got a question though. Yeah, I just want your opinion. So, how important do you really think videos are? Could be, you know, just from the simple fact that they don't even really show videos anymore on like MTV and BET, unless it's like four o'clock in the morning. Well, well, it, they get their views. They get the YouTube views. Well, I think yeah, that's a good point with with social media. You, yeah, you, you don't have know. to do it. Like 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 Nike doesn't air commercials or on on you know the Super Bowl anymore, but you you see the, the you know, you don't see the Jordan commercial if it's not just on, on the basis of a of a vine. I, I think you might see more people doing short videos of their songs so they can be, you know, on their phone and people can watch a short, you know, maybe a a minute piece of a song. Yeah. Or Beyonce who just did a whole, you know, just completed a, a whole album that was you a know visual a visual album. Yeah. And but I mean I always wish that would occur you know, with someone like a Michael Jackson, you know, because Michael Jackson, you know, he got his videos in and you have an album like Thriller. And then you start to think, well, hell, you did a video for every song except like PYT. And you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, just clean your plate. Do the other three. Yeah. Like, I mean, now it always bothered me. <laughs> you didn't see Beyonce's performance last night. Yeah, I caught it. Somebody posted on, on, on so Facebook. I- yeah. Beyonce always turns the party out, and mm-hmm. I've got a friend who 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 is who is who loves Rihanna but doesn't like Beyonce, and comparatively, Beyonce does a better job performance wise. I don't think that, but, that that that's debatable. Performance wise, not even close. Beyonce, hands down. I will say, I like Rihanna's music more. Although I feel like Beyonce could do some of her songs. I like yeah, Beyonce's a better pure singer. Rihanna's had in the time in which Rihanna's been out, I think she actually has more hits. But to me, Beyonce is able to um the level of difficulty of some of the things that she she's accomplished, I'm always like I don't think y'all are peeping this. Like like a song like like um if I gave you the track for single ladies, the um um who's who's the producer for that? Alicia Keys' husband? Swiss Beats. Yeah, Swiss Beats. If I gave you the track for that and I gave I could could have given that track to a hundred people in the music industry, I do not think anyone would have came up with a hit to the degree of single ladies. Cause that beat is, is, is in and of itself is nothing. 
I mean, it it it, it it's something, but it's, it's nothing. She had to make that into a song, and that, and that that's. That's genius on her part. How dare you talk about Swiss Beats beats like that? No, I mean, I mean, Swiss Beats is hot, but I'm saying that that particular beat isn't in and of itself. You know, a lot of songs are just track driven. Like if I give you that, like, oh no, no, what's my name? Like, like that joint. Mm-hmm. That's just a dope track. Like, like I'm gonna like that just the instrumental of that. But that 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 single, and then like um, the countdown song that Beyonce did, that um. Dun, 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 dun. It's like marching bear elements. That is so cold. And then the video is is like interpreting like um like nineteen fifties like art school and, and it, it's taking references from um like Audrey Hepburn. It, it's, it's so much in depth in that the people aren't, aren't aren't giving full credit. So you know, all, all praises due to Beyonce knows Carter. <laughs> You think you think at the end of the day this might be a separate podcast, but do you think when it's all said and done, she will go down as the greatest entertainer, the whole the whole shebang? Mm. It's 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 real. Um, she's gonna put it like this. She's on pace to be almost because she's got the power in her hands like everybody else you know who came before her as far as i mean tina turner aretha franklin moving through the 80s with mariah and whitney they were kind of at the behest of of songwriters and they themselves weren't self-generating and that's always a big thing with me like do you have the ability to self-generate and in addition to that like someone like nina simone could self-generate. But then again, Nina Simone didn't own her own record label. But Beyonce, pretty much how Rock Nation is, they have it all. So they can create, but they also control the distribution. They can drop album with zero promotion hours, you know, with promotion um, budget, because you just put it on Twitter, you know what I'm saying, and, and bam, the album's out. And, and they basically... That what, that's what she did with Lemonade, right? Uh, If not with Lemonade, certainly um, the joint before... Had had they, they dropped, dropped out of the blue, yeah, yeah, and, and it's like if you can do that and you know stay relevant, it's it's gonna be you know interesting how it goes down because you know she's she's not that old right now, no, no doubt, and and she can do a number of type of songs like like arguably Mariah and Whitney couldn't do up tempo, um. You know, Taylor Swift is in the game, Katy Perry's in the game, but I don't think they have the the artistic gravitas of, of what Beyonce does when someone, you know, views the work as quote unquote important as opposed to just poppy. So it's going to be fun to see. You know what I'm saying? It seems like every time she performs, regardless of how good the last one was, she hits a home run with yeah. the new. It's like the one the VMAs. I'm like, okay, there's no way she's going to be able to top the last one. Yeah, yeah, and then the the, B, the BT joint with with uh, oh, she with, with, killed that. Yeah, with uh, uh <laughs> with Kendrick. Yeah, the, one of the funniest memes I've seen is uh is the the DW from author um, taking a shower, saying that uh, singing freedom. <laughs> You, you love your Arthur memes. <laughs> Arthur memes. There's one that has him uh, skipping his way and says, on my way to buy uh, my Colin Kaepernick jersey. Memes. Well, speaking of hitting a home run, as I talk about with Beyonce, it is time now that we draw a line in the sand. Glenn? 
I was informed earlier that that uh, that, that Alex Meacham attended um, a Cincinnati Reds game. I was last week. Yeah, versus the Florida Marlins. <laughs> versus the Florida Gene Carlos Stanton's Florida Marlins, who, by the way, have a very underrated uniform. Oh, I got an orange Marlins cap. I, I, I rocks with it for real. Oh yeah, yeah. That that's um that 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 M is, is tight. Is is real uh has the Hispanic flair. I mean, yeah, I, I get down with that. Um, but yeah, the 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 Cincinnati Reds are apparently twenty seven games out of first place, and people are still going to these games in one hundred degree temperatures. It, 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 I just don't understand. At this point, come on now, people. Like, if the t- you couldn't pay me to go to a Reds, I mean, just the parking situation in and of itself. When a team is twenty seven games, like. Where do you get the game is on TV, by the way, for free. So you are saying I would rather have the live experience for a baseball game that that in 2016 is l- less exciting than than I don't know, than than than, than the, the, the Pokemon app. <laughs> and, and and this is how you got to spend your day in, in scorching hot weather, mind you. I, what you know in other sports, your team could be out of it. If you could be out of it in in, in football, if the Bengals are are one and and, and eleven, mm-hmm. yeah, the team is doing bad. But it's only four more games to play. In baseball, you know you're out of it, and you got thirty, forty games to play, and you trade off all your good players. Like who does that? Like AJ Green ain't ain't getting traded because the Bengals got off to a slow start. There's some diehard baseball fans. I mean, oh. diehard. They will go to every Reds game regardless. I was once in town, and it was late in, late, late in season. I was downtown, and I saw some some cats from um, Milwaukee because the, um, the Reds were playing um, the Brewers, and the Brewers were garbage. And I wanted to ask these people, if you don't know a player on the team personally, what are you doing – in Cincinnati to watch a Brewers game. This can't be a, a, a go-to destination. I can see if you're in Chicago or New York or someplace halfway cosmopolitan, you will never see me going to a Reds game in Milwaukee when the team is 20 games out of first place. The love of the game. Man. You say your friend uh, wanted to see every every stadium. like like the, So that, that, was, that was the reason he, he made it to um, – yeah, to, to Cincinnati. So, what was, what was his verdict on that? Yeah, so last week, my uh, my good friend Corey Dansler from Los Angeles came in town. It was his first trip to Cincinnati. He actually went to the Cleveland Indians game the day before. And he, That's Native Americans, is what, what we. Call I'm sorry, it. not politically correct. So, his goal is to go to every major league baseball stadium. You know, I mean, he's been to to thus far. I believe I want to say maybe. 10, okay. 11. Okay. If, if you say a single digit, I was going to tell him to, to, to quit. I mean, I think he just started this whole thing. Okay. I mean, he's, he's still a young cat, so he's okay. in his 40s. So he's, he's, he's got time. And so uh, he wanted to go to the Reds game and experience that. So he came in town and uh, oh, he'll never, he'll, the... he'll never make it to Houston. <laughs> <laughs> I got a good, I got a good red story. I got to tell the story. Real okay. Quick. So I had a, I got a good friend named uh, Larry Casisco. Okay. <clears throat> and so Larry's uh, daughter, was doing some basketball training with me. Uh-huh. 
And she was about, I think, 12 years old at the time. And Larry worked for Fifth Third You're Bank. You're not paying your trainers at nothing if you can. Larry, Larry worked at uh, Fifth Third Bank, who had a box, who had a suite oh, okay. at the uh, the Red Stadium. I had never been to an opening day game. Okay. And I said to Larry, I said, hey, one day, take me to an opening day game. Uh-huh. And he says, well, what are, you, what are you doing this coming season? Yeah. I was going to the opening day with you. So he said, cool, we'll make it happen. Larry has a son at the time who's seven years old. Well, I had a kind of a, a, a rule in place that I wouldn't start training a kid for basketball until he turned nine years old. Okay. So at the time, his son was seven. So we're in the car on the way to the stadium going to opening day. And, and for those that don't know, opening day here in Cincinnati with it's the Cincinnati Reds is a big deal. It's okay. a parade. A parade. A, a crappy parade. No real floats, but if you have a red car, feel free to um, just, just drive <laughs> in it. Through. you got a red pickup truck. So we, we're, we're on the way to the stadium, and we're, we're driving, and he says to me, he says, hey, what do you think the chances you'll train? His son was Little Larry. He said, what are the chances you're going to train Little Larry when he turns eight? And I said, you know my rule, nine years old. Uh-huh. He says, "Man, I I gotta get you to train him at eight. I rule like that too, but it's uh it's twenty one. <laughs> <laughs> so we're <laughs> we're in the car. We pull into the to the parking garage. Okay, we're on the elevator up. A little Larry ducks on you. <laughs> no, little, little Larry's not with us. It's just just big Larry and I. Okay. Larry says to me, he "Goes I got a deal. Okay. If you catch a ball." You have to train little Larry next year, eight years old. And I look at him and I say, I've been to a ton of Reds yeah, games. Do you know the chances of someone catching a ball at a game? Like, I would take that bet for anything. Absolutely. And I said, you got a deal. Puts his hand out. And by the way. We shake hands. And by the way, if a ball comes your way, you don't got to make an effort to catch it. <laughs> Just think about that. <laughs> Just duck. We're in the box. Okay. And they had free food. I mean, it was like Thanksgiving. I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> and they had like cake and like stuffing. Like who has stuffing? stuffing outside of the game. That's stuffing. Wow. I had two plates of stuffing. So we're we're in the box. Stuffing is slept on. There should be oh. stuffing all year. Why why are we why are we why limited? Are we, why are we why why are we personally no taking away something as good as stuffing when when stuffing could could easily be served? 365 days. You can get that at Boston Market. As well you should. As <laughs> so, well you should. So we're in the box, meeting stuffing, everything's going. So the the where the fifth third bank box is, there's no way a foul ball. Not only are we inside a suite, uh-huh. but where where the batter is hitting, it's just balls don't come that way. Okay. And so they're playing the um, the Astros, so I just I'm meeting and I'm and so Larry tells one of his coworkers who's in the box, say, hey, you know, Alex and I have this agreement that if he catches the ball, he's got to train little Larry. And the and the guy who he was telling the story to had been in the box for years. He's a Larry a ball, ball doesn't even come this way. Yeah, what are you talking about? So, you know, Larry's was like, oh yeah, you know, it's just funny, funny. So, Jeff Bagwell, okay, is at the plate, Hall of Famer Jeff Bagwell. Larry and I are at the back part of the suite, okay? And I'm sitting there, plate in my hand, talking with Larry and talking with another coworker. Jeff Bagwell's up. Boom. You hear him hit the ball. 
there's a lady walking by who has like little those little uh, sandwich snacks. Okay. Okay. She's got them on a plate. With the toothpick. Yes. Yeah. And there's a door that opens in the suite. <laughs> Glenn, the ball comes flying through that open door. And do you know the lady holding the tray sees it and she like like jumps forward, puts her chest forward, and the ball flies by her, hits me in the leg, and I bend down, pick it up. And I look at Larry and I'm like, there's no way I am not making this story up. I had <laughs> the ball hit me in the leg and the whole box erupted. It was the oddest. It was one of the wow. oddest thing. And Larry and I still talk about that to this day. He tells that story to everyone. So did you actually catch it or just hit, hit in the leg was close enough? <clears throat> I got I didn't catch it. But I got the ball. Okay. I still have the ball. It, and to cap this off, little Larry has just finished his third season for the Portland Trailblazers <laughs> of, of the NBA. So, so, wow. Yep. That's crazy. You know, the last Reds game I actually went to was Ken Griffey Jr.'s first game. Really? Ken Griffey Jr. is like lightweight related to me. And this is one of the things that, 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 that pisses me off considering – that you know, I've done work for Nike and like, like had there been a real relationship between me and Ken Griffey Jr. that could have benefited me in, in in numerous ways that would see me, you know, you know, further in my situation, whatever. So like, he knows my sister. My sister went to their house when he was, you know, like a, mm -hmm. you know, kid stuff. Accepts my sister as, a, as his cousin. You know, went to the house. They had like um, like play cousin or real cousin, like like real cousin. Okay. Like like I said, but this is like you know, um, you know, he had like the real video games. His house, you know, his, his dad was was still still had had the uh, original Reds money and stuff. But yeah, ne never have met met Ken Griffey Jr. Whole, whole nine, I'm, I'm, and I'm always lightweight salty about it. So, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. The, arguably the best player of the '90s, along with with, with Barry Bonds, pre steroids Barry Bonds, speculatively. And so it was the first game, you know, when he, he um, you know, after he got traded or whatever or, or signed with the Reds, and it was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, you know, be in attendance. And I think the game was actually rained out, so I didn't go back to the second game. But everyone knows that Ken Griffey Jr. career can almost be divided in two. It's the the Seattle years and it's the Cincinnati Reds years. Right. And he was he was never – good with the Cincinnati Reds. I think he may have been an all-star a couple of times. He was never that dude, the MVP caliber. And quite frankly, I think it's because of me. You, I cursed him because he would not accept me as his cousin. Me seeing him that one time in that capacity, that, that was the last time I basically appeared at the turning point of Ken Griffey Jr.'s career. And I always thought that was super weird. You know what I mean? Because that that is the 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 defining mark between him being a transcendent player and him being just kind of a, a you know everyday run to mill mill dude. I think we got a documentary on our hands. Hey man, said. And you know I threw a first pitch out out, out of Reds <laughs> game, right? This is amazing. Yeah, I, I won the the Reds um, scrapbook contest in like 1985, I think it was. 
Um, it was Cincinnati Enquirer through it. Um, my uh, messed up. We didn't even get the the Enquirer. My next door neighbor, uh, God rest his soul, Miss Levi, would get the newspaper every morning. When she was done with it, she would put it on the side of the house. And when I come home from school, I would walk around, around, pick up the paper, and go around our back door and in, in, in their house. So we basically had a we basically doubled up on the paper, and you had to get the paper every day. To um, you cut out a picture of each player and stuff, and that was the, the joint. So I got to throw out the um, the first picture of the, the Reds game, and and was it a ball? No, no, it was a strike. It wasn't like Mayor Mallory's. It was it was a pure strike. I don't know or how people. Strike. How how can you throw a pitch pitch that bad? Wow, that that video of him throwing that pitch, I will it's post insane. that every year, the day of opening day. I will post that video, and it will have more likes than anything I post all year. I literally don't know. Like, had he never thrown anything? Like, I could throw. I mean, one of the things that that that, and and I don't think this is 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 too much of a self compliment. I'm good at like if you give me something I can like throw it like like um like putting in golf. You know what I'm saying? Like to gauge how heavy something is and and the distance of which you can move it. I would never throw a pitch that poorly. Like it's insane. Speaking of that real quick. There was a video that surfaced yesterday uh-huh. online. Stevie Wonder went to I think it was a high school or maybe a small college. And okay. they had him, I don't know if he was a speaker or he was performing or whatever. And they were in a gym and there was a lot of people there. They surrounded him. Do you know what they had this man do? Stevie Wonder, a legend, <laughs> made, made songs in the key of life. <laughs> what do we got to try Stevie, Stevie out to do there? Somehow they convinced this dude to shoot a free throw. <laughs> what? It was so. Why? It was so bad. In, in a, well, well, how do you do that? Because if you're blind, you don't have a, a perception of what a free throw distance is. Like, if I was blind today and say 10 years from now, you say, Glenn, I'm going to have you shoot a free throw. From memory, I can know what okay, what the height of a basket was, maybe the distance. Right. Maybe I've you know I've, I've played, so I can have some muscle memory of, of doing this task. If Stevie literally knows none of that, what are we doing here? There are a lot of people that think Stevie's not really blind. I've I've, I've heard heard as much that 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 he's he can't see well, but he can see. I've I've, I've heard that that theory floated around. Oh, by the way, if you're going to a Reds game, I'm drawing a line to say. <laughs> we forgot about Fifteen years from the bit, we, 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 we're going to bring this back around. If, you, if you're getting yeah, Stevie Wonder to throw, uh, to, to, to shoot a shoot a basket at, at a high school, we, we're going to draw a line to say on that. I think, I think after Stevie shot it, they reacted as if he made it. So I think he, <laughs> they were like, yeah. He's like, yeah. No, real quick too. When, when I go to the Reds games, I always see these guys come up to bat and they have like their song. Okay, what would be your song? Something by by, by Ray Schremer. <laughs> what the what, 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 what would be what would I be a song? Known. I should have known. It is weird because that that's so. You know, there's songs that you like, but they're not appropriate for. Um, 
you know, that, that would inspire you to hit a home run. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like our intro is Peach Fuzz. That's one of my all-time time favorite songs by, by KMD. But it's like, that would be so bizarre to come out to a to the, the plate with like Peach Fuzz playing with his xylophone. Like what? what what's <laughs> like, about to happen here? <laughs> yeah. So you want a song that like like hypes you up. It's almost like what would be your 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 ring entrance music if you were about to, uh, you know, box somebody. That might be a a, a a topic for next week. We we figure good. out what what would be that would be great. Yeah. Let's do that. I come out to MC Brains, but we'll. <laughs> uh, <laughs> got me thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the day, was we talk about music. This is kind of just off the cuff here. When we got home from school, from three to about nine o'clock, like radio stations would play, you know, hip hop or you know, rock or whatever station you were listening to. But after like nine, <laughs> it was all about those mellow moves. Oh uh, yeah, slow jams, slow jams. The, the thinking about you, lad. <laughs> Dedication. The mellow moods. I mean, what was the deal with that? I enjoyed it. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess they thought that, that that like people didn't have stereos. That like like this was getting people in the mood. Like yeah, if you was with somebody, like 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 we'll just play them. You know, that's insane now to think that 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 people didn't have the option of their own music. That you just would be like, yeah, see what the <laughs> hopefully the radio's kicking what I want to hear right about now. And and also at high school, when it was high school, grade school, or even if you went to the the clubs back in the day, and after a certain time, at the end of the night, there were slow jams. Yeah, you know when we used to go down to Caddy's downtown. Oh wow, good old Caddy's. I, and I tell you what, too. While I'm thinking of this, the older I get, the more I appreciate the soulful sounds of Key Sweat. <laughs> Twisted will, will, will never not be a classic. Some of the early key, the, the songs to put Keith Sweat on, and yeah, I can go either way on it. But when he got to the point with, with Twisted featuring Cut Close, <laughs> man, game over. That that real talk. That that video where they're on the train, man. Keith Sweat has a live album. And it's on, um, you know, the different, uh, you know, Apple Music and, and Tidal and Spotify. we were really down. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you. Cuts. I, someone told me to listen to this Key Sweat Live album. Like, <laughs> someone, I don't someone had to tell you? Somebody somebody told me. And I said, I don't really like Key Sweat. <laughs> well, that's somebody no, you me. Need, you need to hear this album. So I listened to it. And I said, Man, Key Sweat. You're still bringing it. How did I miss this for this many years? Wow. What about LSG? <laughs> that's such a, a crazy thing the, one of the funniest things remember my business partner always tripping out for this the library gets um um sister to sister magazine which is is basically that's still out i think it might i haven't seen it in a while but but um when it was out it was out <laughs> And they had a picture. Is right on still out there? <laughs> <laughs> they had a picture of um, the cover was um, the group um, um, TGT. Oh, with Genuine and um, uh, Tank, Tank and, um, and uh, um, Tyrese. Tyrese. And the the heading was uh, the the the. Um, they kicked Genuine out the group. Go ahead. Yeah. 
the 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 that's when I stopped the, listening. <laughs> that's, when, that's when you had enough. <laughs> I was done. You went down with TT. <laughs> but yeah, the cover said, um, "Is this or no?" It said the most important R&B album uh, of our time. <laughs> of our time. <laughs> of our time. Th- that was the, the word "important" was used to describe an R&B album in 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 twenty. 11, maybe it was. Important. I mean, uh, let me understand that. Like, like, so if this album didn't, this album had, the future of R&B was contingent upon the success of, of what I believe the second TGT album, which, which I'm sure flopped. I'm sure nobody, if, if you could name two songs by TGT, the, the mega group, there, there's a video online. I can't name two songs by Tank, much less TGT. There's a video online of them performing. Okay. And Genuine's like drunk. Have you seen this? <laughs> no. And Tyrese like calls him out. Man, Ty- Tyrese needs to get off his high horse. That might be a line I have to draw in the sand coming up because Tyrese is is. is I see people posting um, his videos where he's Tyrese isms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, he's a positive cat, but some of the stuff is is so um, um, self-aggrandizing that you're just like, okay, Tyrese, look, we we get it. You 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 got lucky and, and you scored the um, the um, Fast and Furious deal, so you'll never be broke. But but come on now. That all started from the Coke commercial. Yeah, him getting on the bus. Always Coca Cola, and you know. Um, part of that is because Ja Rule found himself a little bit too big to do Fast and Furious 2. That was the, the, the time which Fast and Furious 2 was being made. Ja Rule, who had been, who had been in Fast and Furious 1, mind you, was basically the the young black dude. And he had a little bit too much going on and, and was not was not on it for doing. Like, how many millions has he Failed to make because that rolls for Ja Rule. He was in number one, I believe. But but he um he was either in one or two. Um, Tokyo Drift. But but essentially he mm-hmm. didn't want to do it anymore. And I think that's when Ludacris came in, and maybe Tyrese, maybe the both of them to 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 to, to equal the star pair of Ja Rule in 2003. You couldn't just get Ludacris. You need a Ludacris and Tyrese combo. How many Fast and Furious are there? Uh, seven? No, it's actually it's actually 46. <laughs> yeah, there, there were eight. Eight is um, That's it, crazy. is just just wrapped up filming. I think they're not gonna stop because it keeps making money and. Well, it, 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 doesn't uh, Vin Diesel and um, The Rock have a beef right now, or is that is well, that they, they, fabricated? They, they squashed that beef. Oh, they squashed it. Yeah, and um, here here's why I got off the. Uh, I mean, I never really watched any of them. I, I have seen the one. Maybe, I have seen two. Maybe it's sick. It's the one in Brazil. Which, which let me tell you something. They do a lot of improbable things with automobiles <laughs> in this series, and Seven took it to the next level. When, okay, first of all, I don't know how you get a, a, you know, a supercar McLaren type individual uh, type automobile into a skyscraper on a very high floor. But here's what I do know. 
you're not going to be able to drive that that vehicle through the window, through midair, and enter into another skyscraper floor and be able to control that car in a manner of which you don't die. And this is what they pulled off. And apparently it goes from one skyscraper to the other while they're in that new, the, the second skyscraper, um, I believe it's Vin Diesel, whoever the driver is, is able to bail out and the car goes through the second skyscraper and, and, and falls to the ground. Which, which which I can only pray no one was beneath um, walking at that time because cause they, they would be killed instantly. That was just a little bit better than the Dukes of Hazard. Remember the, the, the General opening Lee? scene? Oh, yeah. When General Lee would... Did General Lee could find lift with, with little more than... than the, the, the embankment needed to get the General Lee airborne was, was practically nothing. I have an interesting fact about that opening part of Dukes of Hazard. Okay. The opening part when the General Lee takes off and is in the air, uh-huh. it's not a real car. I'm going to need for you to leave. <laughs> it's a small um, replica car. Okay. And they f- they filmed it from, if you look at that, if you look at the angle. Because, uh-huh. oh, trust me, I've got the Dukes of Hazard box set. <laughs> and, and they they have it. The, the, that, that, that's why we're cool. <laughs> the last the last DVD in the box set, they talk about how they made the show. Okay. Oh, man, it's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. <laughs> it goes without saying. I mean, and they said it was a small little car. They never... They never jumped the real... Nope. Now, the I thing... S- the, 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 the series include um, the Koi and Vance here. Are you familiar with Koi and Vance? Oh, of course. Yeah. It, it, uh, the, the box set that I have doesn't have them, but they talk about okay. them. Yeah. They had a beef. Yeah, essentially, Tom Wolfpack and John Snyder, after maybe year two of the Dukes Hazard, to show us the success, and they were not going to come back until they, um, you know, renegotiated the, the contracts for for the two lead actors on the show. And apparently, the producer said, "No, no, we're just going to bring in two new guys." And it was apparently their cousins, Coy and Vance. <laughs> Who were who were just so happened to be be brunette and blonde um, equals to to to, uh, to 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 Bo and Luke. While um, I believe it was the Duke boys um, uh, pursued um, a NASCAR career, <laughs> so, and, and, and it did work well. Um, there was a, there was a, a all out revolt against um, Coy Advance, and Bo and Luke eventually um, got, got, got their yeah got their jobs back. There's one constant. Uncle Jesse, you you can't re- you could not replace Uncle Jesse and Boss Hog. Yeah, the characters on that show were great. Oh, let me tell you something. I own one autograph, and it is Searle Book. No way. The the yeah the, Boss Hog. Yeah, the actor that no played way. Boss Hog, who was at the the Cavalcade of Customs in in Cincinnati wow. in the early eighties, and, and I, I got a chance to to meet Boss Hog. Uh, How was that, that experience? So, was he dressed as, was, a, as Boss Hog? I'm pretty sure it was. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. It was transcendent. If you had a picture of you and Boss Hog, man. you would shut down Throwback Thursday. I need to see if I have that. I, I, I will fake that picture if there's not one. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, he was, um, I believe, Boss Hog was, I don't know where he's originally from, but I believe he was, like, classically trained. Yeah. Right, is a theatrical. I think, yeah, I think I've heard that as well. Yeah, 
Oh man, that 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 show was that show was amazing. What would Boss Hogg have said about Colin Kaepernick? <laughs> <laughs> so, the, the theme song from from Dukes of Hazard. Oh man, and 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 how cute was Daisy in, oh, in her man. prime? Like man, couldn't tell me nothing. Man, that that was that was that was uh, that was a woman I loved, Daisy Duke. Well, speaking of music, I think it's time that we get into. My segment here where I talk about 90s, either hip-hop or R&B music. Today, I'm going to talk about a rapper from Los Angeles, California. Okay. The last two weeks, I've talked about Father MC. That's right. The new Xbox AKA One Fan Body. <laughs> we'll never call him that. And Attention MC Brain from Cleveland, Ohio. The Candyman is on the prowl. We got and for those that we have to find a way to get a hold of MC Brains. We, we got to get Brains on the show. Uh, I'm, I'm against this idea, but but actually, all for it. I'm, I'm all about talking to Brains. <laughs> I feel like we, we're doing these people a disservice. <laughs> well, let me talk about today's. We we need to come up with so we're gonna come up with some like. Uh, sexy phrase for 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 this particular segment but but today's 90s hip-hop artists came about in the 90s from los angeles california south central la his name candel manson aka candy man <laughs> so his name actually had so candel <laughs> that's what how could he not? It was almost as if uh, his parents wanted him to to, to be nicknamed Candyman. It was predetermined that he was going to be the Candyman. That's that's crazy. And his hit song was "Knocking Boots." <laughs> I, I know it well. Now, the 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 thing about Candyman, he he was uh, discovered by um, well, he eventually got to Tone Loke. You know, was his um, kind of the guy who kind of brought him along. Matter of fact, Tone looks at the start of Candyman. He had to introduce him. Which knocking the boots is off of uh, his album "Ain't No Shame in My Game," nineteen ninety on Epic Records. So, so there's zero shame. There's zero shame. <laughs> there, was, in, in, there, was, there was none in the game. N- not a bit of shame. All y'all girlies next to me talking sex to me. We can't do that yet, but I bet we'll chill. Candyman, tell him the truth. We'll steal, end up knocking the boots. Ooh, boy, I love you so. Never, ever, ever gonna let you go. Once I get my hands on you. At each and every show, there's this groupie. Artist knows what she wants. I like this part of She knows my name, knows every rap routine. You know, that hook? Get in my limousine. Don't act a fool, don't drool. I'm just a performer. I was cool, but the room got warmer. Norma cornered me in. The problem I had with the hook is uh, that came out post Brand Newbie. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and Brand Newbie's here, yeah, the, the, the Poobah Lady song. So this, this is seen as derivative in, in, in my, by Youthful Minds. Well, here's something really interesting about Candyman. He initially was not a rapper. And for for those that remember the group N.W.A. and a lot of people do because of the movie Straight Outta Compton, N.W.A. originally had an album out N.W.A. and the Posse. Yeah, yeah. You remember the cover? 
Yeah, it had it just had hella people on it. Like like probably I don't know, what was it? Twenty people? It, at least twenty people. Yeah, it was deep. All from like, you know, California. Well, it it turns out that Candyman went to high school with Ice Cube at Washington Prep High School. Okay. Well, when they went to do the album cover, they invited at the time Candell. He wasn't Candyman then. Hopefully, it was hopefully he'll get a movie. <laughs> <laughs> so no shame, my game. He showed, <laughs> the, 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 coming to straight to DVD. He he shows up at the um, the photo shoot for the album for NWA and the Posse. Well, NWA wanted more people at the the photo shoot because it was and Posse. Okay. Even though it was just Ice Cube, Ren, Yella, uh, and, and Dre were just yeah, essentially the, the core members of, of, of NWA, and then Easy could go as a solo artist as right. well. Yeah. Don't forget the Feel Our Fresh crew. And then you've uh, <laughs> okay. So and then you, and so Candell is there. And they have him in the, the so on the front of NWA and the Posse's cover is Candyman, <laughs> front and center, down there just you know in the b boy stance. Now keep in mind he was not in the group at the time, nor was he a rapper. <laughs> so he's just there. He's there. He's you know filling space. NWA goes on tour. NWA becomes famous. What happened was, is NWA's out touring and, and, you know, they're doing their thing. Blowing up. Blowing up. Back home in Los Angeles, Candell is out telling people that he's in NWA. Well, he's either in NWA or the posse because I'm looking at the album cover and and, and I I see this man's face. Well, NWA gets back to town and they hear about, you know, Candell's going around telling people. So, you know, they kind of confront him and, and DJ Ellis says, man, you're not a rapper. You're not in our group. I am now. And so he then became a rapper. And that's how it all started. He became the Candyman. Who wouldn't? How many studio albums do you think Candyman has? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm going to say two. Seven. <laughs> Come on. Seven studio albums. What? When did the first come out, you know? 1989. Hey, okay, man. That was that was actually the first one that came out uh was before Oh, it was before uh Adoche. Yes, it was called Hip Hop Addict and it was on King Quality. Okay. And I'm not sure if that had something to do with King T. Uh, we we can only hope. <laughs> and by the way, that album packaging um for for right, no what, what what was killing it was, it was um, like translucent um, twister like circles, and and um, I remember looking at that in CD and or or cassette tape. If you're still buying cassette tapes, which which, which apparently I was um, as of two years ago before I got a new car. Jeez. And um, what what was the last tape you you bought? Uh what well, got to the point where you you they really weren't selling them. <laughs> <laughs> like you had to, Duh. you had to get um, a, a CD, and um, and you know just burn it to a to a tape. So I'm trying to think. The last tape I bought was, man, it was probably late '90s. Um, Cause I was, you know, I had a CD player. I just didn't have one in my car, mm-hmm. so I'd buy the CD. But the last tape I bought was probably, uh, I'm gonna say. 
peat rock CL smooth main ingredient. Ooh. Yeah, classic. But but very, yeah, very classic. But My- yeah, th- those um th- that that Candyman album cover. Whoever did the packaging for that really deserve deserve something. That that was I don't know what the packaging awards in, in the the recording industry are, but 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 uh, that's up there. But a, a strong a strong candidate for uh, album packaging of the year, if, if if not the winner. Mario, yes, you have a you yeah, raised your hand I again. I just want to put my two cents in on this whole cassette conversation. Okay. I had a I had a cassette growing up. I had one tape. Well, two. I had Montel Jordan, This Is How We Do It. <laughs> and then I had Mace, Harlem World, on cassette. Oh, respect. Respect for Mace. Yeah. You, you got to love Mace. Yeah. I respect that. I'm a huge Mace fan. I'm... I'm, I'm Mace was was the Ray Shrimmer of, of his day, as far as someone who was who was making music, and it was just, it was just enjoyable to listen to. The Bad Boy Tour was coming to Cincinnati. Yeah, they're here. I think in two weeks. I'm not. I can't do it. I can. <laughs> I've got. I've got. I've got to find my way to get there. Yeah, yeah. I guess. You ever seen those videos of uh, Craig Mack in the church now? No. Yeah, Craig Craig Mack is Craig Mack's not on the tour, right? Oh no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. You no, seriously, you need to YouTube Craig Mack. Okay. And you will understand he's not on the tour. Craig Mack was uh he's a popular. Preacher? No, he he's not a preacher. He's involved in some church and uh I want to say it's the South and okay. uh there's a there's a preacher who looks like um what was um what was the movie that had uh, you're my boy blue Oh, uh, um, uh, old, school. old school, old school. Yeah, he looks like Blue from old school. <laughs> that's that's what the, the the preacher looks like. And and Craig Mack is gets up and he has him rap okay. and it's religious rap. Oh wow, man, it is bizarre. That's bizarre. Very bizarre. So he he will not be at the Bad Boy tour. Craig Mack has one of my my favorite uh, statements ever, and it occurred um, when he was interviewed about Tupac being killer. And he said, quote, I'm sad when anybody dies, but it don't stop my world from spinning. <laughs> Speaking of that. And that's what I said with Tupac dad. Everybody was so I, I, I was I was cured. I was strongly in the East Coast camp when, when Tupac died. And and I was like, hey, you know what I'm saying? He, he, he was he was starting so much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he, he was involved he, in a he, lot. Of- he brought the game. He brought. Put it like this, I'd feel a lot sorrier for Tupac if we didn't have him on film um, stomping out somebody um, two hours casino. before his death. Yeah. yeah, there, there's a there's a new video that just came out with Redman, and um, rapper Redman said he was very popular in the '90s from uh, from New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. He said the most dangerous dude on the West Coast was MC Hammer. He said <laughs> MC Hammer stepped to him. In uh, they were, they were at the uh, Yo MTV Raps. It was between Hammer and Shug. <laughs> he said. He said. Uh, it, Redman said MC Hammer stepped to him over um, the diss he made about MC Hammer on the um, what song was it? It was like uh, God, I can't remember the name of the song, but he had dissed MC Hammer, and he said, "Man, he was he was at the Yo MTV Raps finale." Okay, and he said MC Hammer stepped to him, and he goes, "You know what?" MC Hammer had rolled deep in Oakland. He said that 
he said later on they did a show in Oakland and Redman said they had to run out of the building because uh-huh. there were people that were with MC Hammer's camp and he said we were about to die and this is this is the second story we've heard recently <laughs> about Hammer put, about Hammer but, MC Search in third base hey yeah. I mean I always heard the Hammer with with, with with but I mean my thing is if you're just rich enough and you got beef, you can make things happen. Like was MC Hammer that hard if he didn't have money to to basically, you know, pay some killers to get down with him? But I mean, he was in the streets. I don't know. I mean, I heard you know he used to he used to he was a bad boy for the A's. Like like how <laughs> I, how how hood is that? that? Yeah. So Redman said Oaktown three five seven stepped to him. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? He did. He, did. he said that. Wow. He said when, when when they were all there at the UMTV thing, he said Oaktown 357 was behind him. Well, I mean, like, what's swing on him then? Like, I, who do you think went in a fight between between Hammer and Redman? That's what they always say. Like, yeah, if you if you could pay some killers, then sure. Yeah, yeah. You, you always gonna gonna win that battle, but yeah. Well, you know, you know, you said something earlier about uh you know, about Tupac and the death, but coming into the podcast today, we uh we found out right before we went on that Gene Wilder yeah, you know, was... you know, passed away. We didn't have a lot of time. We don't, didn't have time to really prep for, you know, some things on Gene Wilder, but uh, legend, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, you know, Willy Wonka and Chocolate Factory. And that, that's one of the, the few films that that you know stand the test of time. Like you can watch that, and 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 it it still is you know lightweight magical. You know what I mean? Like like oh man, like this is. Um, I was watching the. Um, uh, YouTube clip of you know the song um, "Pure Imagination" or whatever um, come mm-hmm. with me for that is basically when they when they show the the chocolate river mm-hmm. um, and, and 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 even even the most conservative um, viewers of this show would, would enjoy the chocolate river, but uh, yeah it's it's um you know it, it's a loss apparently that cat didn't um do any um movies for the last twenty five years. Uh, yeah, wasn't he doing a lot of writing? Or I guess so. I mean, I don't. It was it was weird because he was he was in a whole bunch of stuff throughout the eighties. Like uh, you know, had a bunch of uh, a movies with with Richard Pryor. You um, did like, four movies with Richard Pryor. Yeah, like, I mean, I remember Silver Streak. Um, mm-hmm. See no evil. See okay. no evil. What you need to see. Okay. Great movie. That's yeah. I remember that's that's one. One's blind. One's deaf. Yes, oh, that was a very well written. I don't know. Was that a? <laughs> it seemed very formulaic. Was that a movie that they redid, or was I, I don't know if that was an original, okay. an original piece for that that particular time. I I don't. We we just didn't have enough time really to do any research on uh, and, on Gene Wilder. But and Mister Fuji died. Um, a wrestler, apparently, but but I knew him as as a wrestling manager throughout the eighties. The word that was most used to describe Mister Fuji. Devious, <laughs> the devious Mister. The, the devious Mister. Fu- it, it, it was rarely the rarely did Mister. Fuji um, manage a wrestler in which the word devious was not mentioned. And his, his signature move as a manager was um, when one of his um, um, managed wrestlers would throw um, another um, wrestler um, in the ropes. He would often. Um, Hook, hook his ankle with the cane. <laughs> I remember the cane. Yeah, that, that, that was always a top-notch move. Who was this wrestler? Was it, uh, was it, did he have Snooker? 
or no, Jimmy... Snooker was good. I I think he um managed um the magnificent Morocco. Um, yeah, I remember that. Who who was uh, a a slept on wrestler in the eighties? Um, after Arn Anderson, <laughs> I would say the magnificent Morocco was was the wrestler that most defined the word professionalism. <laughs> but but let me tell you something. No one has ever and will ever define the word professionalism in wrestling more than Arn Anderson. That's your guy. I'm writing an article um, about the top 10 wrestlers of all time, and, and, and um, I dedicate a, a large part of it to, to Arn Anderson just because he epitomized professionalism. That's, that's all I have. And on that note, I have no further comments. Hey, man, it is what it is. When you go in the ring, handle your business. Art Anderson kept his personal life at home. And when he came to work, he came to work. We want Stone Cold better be in that. Stone Cold's too. Shut up, man. <laughs> Wait, let, 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 you, you don't dare speak during our clothing, jerk. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening to the No Further Comments podcast, a.k.a. the NFC. We look forward to uh, talking to everybody next week on episode five. Shut it down. Switch the chairs around.